Likutei Sichais, Chelik Tesvav, that's volume 15, the first Sicha for Parshas Lech Lecha. Before we begin the Sicha, I'd like to go over a few points. You see, this Parsha, Parshas Lech Lecha, is where we begin to learn and then we'll continue to find out more and more about the life, the career of the founder of our nation, the founder of our faith, Avraham Avinu, our father Abraham. Now, the truth is, we kind of heard about him already in last week's Parsha, as he was, quote, born at the end. The news of his birth is already shared with us at the end of last week's Parsha. Another interesting point is that if you really look at the first three Parshiot, that is Bereshis, Noach, Lech Lecha, of the Torah, it doesn't look like it, it doesn't seem like it, but if you really look closely, it actually spans 20 generations. Okay, the first parsha Bereshit up to Noach is about 10 generations. It covers very briefly, very quickly, it is uh, 10 generations. And then from Noach until Lech Lecha now, where it really begins to detail the life of Avram, is also another 10 generations. Now, this Sicha actually was not said so to speak, in conjunction with this Parsha in particular. It's actually a, a, an explanation from the Rebbe, a very amazing insight into the difference between the first ten generations of, of since creation and the second, ten the second ten generations, you know, these two periods. This is actually a talk from the Rebbe that was said more in the summertime, meaning it was an explanation on a Mishnah in Pirkei Avot, a Mishnah in the Ethics of the Fathers, namely in chapter 5. And we're going to go through some of these Mishnahs now. And there the Rebbe explained and elaborated, because there the Mishnah discusses the contrast between these two time periods. So let's first focus and let's get a quick uh, familiarity with these Mishnahs so we have a better appreciation of this of this, um, of this uh, Sikha, of this talk of the Rebbe. So the first Mishnah the first paragraph that is, in chapter 5 of the Ethics of the Father says, quote, With ten utterances God created the world. Why did he create the world with ten utterances? He could have done it with one. And I'm paraphrasing. Says the Mishnah, the reason for it is, he went into this elaboration in order to bring retribution from the wicked ones. Follow these words. Bring retribution from the wicked ones who destroy the world, through their actions that is, and to bring more reward, good reward, to the righteous ones, to the tzaddikim, those who work on l'kayem olam to sustain the world. That is the first Mishnah, the first paragraph. The next Mishnah says also something about the number 10, and that is that there are 10 generations from Adam, that is from the first man that God created, until Noah. 10 generations. And... Why would the ten generations, says the Mishnah, why ten? Why this long period of time? Says the Mishnah, because God has an abundance of, of Erech of patience. This is to tell us about God's great patience. That all these generations were repeatedly and continuously angering him and doing all these terrible wicked things. And yet he waited all full ten generations until it came to Noah. And that's when he brought upon them the flood and he destroyed the world. 
The second part of the Mishnah says, there are ten generations from Noah until Avraham. That although, that to tell us what? That to tell us how patient Hashem is, how great His patience is, that all these generations from Noah to Avraham were also continuously and uh, consistently angering Hashem, yet Hashem waited until Avraham came and through his righteousness he took the quote, he took the reward of all of them. In a later Mishnah, if you look in chapter 5, in a later Mishnah, that is in Mishnah 6, Mishnah Vav, the sixth paragraph, over there it also tells us about 10 things, 10 matters uh, related to the creation of the world. And it says over there, quote, 10 things were created on the very last moment of Friday, right before Shabbat came in, right before the day of rest came in, when God, uh, so to speak, totally ceased any whatsoever operations, any whatsoever work. Okay, so notice that it's only later that he talks about what occurred on the end of the six days of creation. So, obviously, this Sikha is going to focus on the, mostly the second Mishnah. The second Mishnah, which speaks about the contrast from the ten generations that began at, at Adam and com- culminate with Noah, and they got destroyed, versus the next ten generations from Noah to Avram, which although they were not righteous by any means, they, in fact they were wicked, very similar to those prior to them, to their predecessors, and yet... Avraham comes and gets their reward. And that's precisely the question. What reward did Avraham receive? What reward is there that Avraham received? We just, the statement is that they also angered Hashem, that they did wicked things. So what reward is there? And if the, and then question number two, if there is some kind of reward, meaning that for whatever good deeds they did have, since they were wicked, they couldn't receive the reward, therefore it went to the tzaddik, it went to the righteous one, who completed the ten generations, then how come Noah did not receive any reward? Why is it that Noah, at the end of his ten generation period, although they were all destroyed, but whatever good there was in the world throughout those ten generations, the reward of that should have gone to him. But perhaps you can say, well, it's obvious. There was no reward to be given. There was no reward to be dispensed, not even to Noah. Why? Because they were so terribly wicked. They were so bad that there's no reward. But then this begs for an understanding. The question, if that's the case, then what really is the contrast? What really is the difference between the first 10 generations, that there was absolutely no reward to be dispensed at all, and therefore Noah received no reward, to the second genera- uh, period, the next 10 generations, where there seems to have been some kind of reward that the Mishnah sa- indicates went, in, it, it was, it was uh, allotted to Avraham because of his great righteousness. What is this all about? So first of all, there are those commentaries that explain the difference between Noah and Avraham why Noah didn't receive any rewards from his the people of that of his time period, those ten generations, versus Avraham that he did, well, there's a reason for it. Because Noah did not pray for the people of his times. He did not also involve himself. He didn't go out of his way to try to influence the people and try to have them change their ways. Whereas Avraham did pray, and we find that he prayed even for the wicked. 
even for the people of Sodom. He tried to pray on their behalf and to defend them. He felt a connection to them. And moreover, we know that his whole career, his whole life was dedicated selflessly to giving to others and to teaching others and to trying to direct them onto the right path. And therefore, Noah didn't receive anything, but Avraham did receive his you know, the reward of all the people, even of the prior uh, nine generations up to him, because he kind of culminated, he kind of completed it, and through his good deeds, he elevated. But here is the question. That is a good explanation, but there still remains an issue here that needs to be resolved. And that is, we know that if, quote, every person has a reward, meaning we say there is a reward, something is generated somewhere, even if it's in a spiritual realm, but there is like some, so to speak, a spiritual place, the Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, the ha heaven, there is something there, there is a space, there is a, so to speak, like a, a, an allotted amount of reward. And if nobody received it, meaning if Noah didn't receive it because he wasn't deserving of it, because he did not involve himself with the people, and whereas Avraham did receive for his past 10 generations, then where did that all go? The, in other words, the reward, the space in Gan Eden, who occupies it, so to speak? I know I'm speaking in very, very simple ter terms, but who, what, what happened with it? Where did it go? What is it being used for? Is it just kind of purposeless? Is it just there and all the, all the reward is just sitting there, so to speak, in a dormant account and no one has any access to it? It doesn't make sense because we know that everything that Hashem created, both in the physical and in the spiritual, both in the in all realms, has to be purposeful. There has to be a use for it. It can't just sit around and do nothing and contribute nothing. So therefore, says the Rebbe, this brings us to a conclusion that we must say that besides the fact that Noah wasn't deserving, so to speak, of receiving the, of the reward of the past 10 generations because he didn't really connect with them and he didn't connect to them. But we must say that it's more than that. That there actually was no reward. There was no reward to be dispensed. And therefore, there's no there's no reward. There's no Ganeiden. There's no space. There's no, so to speak, accounts that are not being utilized, that are not being, uh, that, that were not given a purposeful existence, a purposeful use. The question, however, is then what is the difference? We're back to the original question. What then is really the difference between the first 10 generations and the latter 10 generations that the first generations had no reward versus the latter ones that did have a reward, which Avraham received by virtue of his connection to them, by virtue of his dedication towards them? Another interesting question in this Mishnah is, what did we say? That the first 10 generations... What is the purpose of ten generations? That it, it was to show us how patient Hashem is, how much he's erech how patient he is. And he was patient all the way till the end of the tenth generation, and then he destroyed them in the time of Noah. The question is, this is a very obvious fact. Everybody knows this already. We don't need the Mishnah for this. And it is clearly written in the Torah. We say it in the 13 attributes of mercy. Hashem, Hashem, Kel, Rachum, V'chanun. He is a God that is compassionate. V'chanun. Erech And he has much patience. Perhaps, perhaps, it seems that maybe the novelty here, meaning here, 
in this Mishnah is, meaning what the Mishnah is trying to teach us, something which I would otherwise not know, is not that Hashem is patient, but how much He is patient. Because the, the verse never exact, uh, quantifies exactly how much is the patience of Hashem, how far it goes. And therefore, the Mishnah is telling us, listen, it goes for 10 generations, and here is the precedent, here is the historical proof for it that the first 10 generations... Um, Hashem was patient with them, only after that did he destroy them. But that's, if that's the case, which seems to be logically the case, the question still is, why 10? What is the significance of 10? Why 10 generations? Why not 5 generations? That's also a long time, period of time. Especially in those days, the generations were very long. People lived very long. Why 10? What's the significance of 10? So the Rebbe says, in order to understand all of this, to really put this all in perspective, we, we take a moment to really, add, to analyze, that is, the entirety of this chapter. If you look at the chapter in Pekei Avot, and again, I invite you to look at it inside so you'll see where everything fits in. As we mentioned, in chapter 6, it discusses, quote, the 10 things that Hashem created at the very last moment of creation, as, so to speak, the sun was setting on Friday afternoon at the end of the sixth day of creation, and enumerates all the ten, all the 10 things that Hashem created. And of course, the question is, the order seems to be out of place. If you look at the first Mishnah, it speaks about the ten utterances. The ten utterances Hashem used to create the world, and it tells us why. Makes sense. that, the, And it follows that the next Mishnah should be what? What happened towards the end of the six days of creation, which is Mishnah 6, paragraph 6. However, how does it appear in the Mishnah? The next Mishnah is about the ten generations from Adam, from Adam to Noah and from Noah to Avraham. And only later does it talk about this. this. The order seems to be out of whack. Well, the answer, however, is that what the Mishnah is really doing, it's obvious that what's the point of the Pirkei Avot is to tell us as follows. That in the first Mishnah, it's not just merely talking about the ten utterances. No, it's talking about the kinds of people Hashem created the types of, of, of behaviors that influence the world, the impact the human being has on the world. And therefore it tells us, look, Hashem used 10 utterances. In other words, it was so elaborate, this creation. It was so detailed because there's two types of people. There are, quote, the wicked, as the Mishnah says, who destroy the world by their action. And therefore... I'm sorry, they destroyed the world by action and therefore Hashem went through this great length in order to have a deeper and a much much uh, more emphasized retribution. And then there are the contrast that Sadiqim, the righteous ones, who they work on they work on sustaining the world and making the world a viable place by their action and therefore it's so elaborate to extend and to to, to enhance, to amplify the reward that comes to them. And therefore, following this, following this, it makes sense that immediately the Tana, meaning the sage of the Mishnah, brings us an actual example. He qualifies it by telling us, look, this actually happened. Look at the first ten generations, which were wicked. And they were so wicked that they their actions all were such that 
destroy the world, or worked on destroying the world and, and creating the instability. And therefore, at the end of the ten generations, Hashem totally destroyed them. Albeit Hashem was patient and therefore took ten generations versus the next ten generations that although they were not righteous, but when came about a righteous man like Avraham, and he was able to retroactively enhance even their bad actions and elevate it, make it sustainable. To sustain it, then he got all the reward from all the good that was there. What is the real understanding behind this? In other words, it still did not explain the why. The question that we asked, why is there a difference between the first 10 generations and the last 10 generations, that Noah was also a tzaddik. Yes, he didn't connect to the people. But where remember we asked the question, where is all the good, what they did? Where is the reward for all of that? It seems that there's no good whatsoever to be rewarded. Why? So the Rebbe explains that we find, later in the Torah, we find sometimes... Some what seems to be varying is the instruction, or in, in fact, it seems to almost be um, uh, contradictory instruction when it comes to the to the collection of the the uh, war spoils. We find sometimes when the Jews went out to war, they were instructed to take the spoils, and there were times they were instructed not to take any spoils and to totally destroy it. Or sometimes within the same war, some types of spoils they can take and divide amongst the people, amongst the fighting uh, soldiers. And the other types of spoils they were supposed to totally destroy. What is the meaning behind it? What is the spiritual meaning behind it? The idea is, and this applies to us, in our, quote, war on the Ra, on the bad, our war on evil, which really is all, that's what li our lives are all about, to destroy the bad and bring out the good, that there's two types of bad. There is such bad that the only way that it can be dealt with, the only way you can deal with it is destroy it, to annihilate it, to totally get rid of it, to break it. Whereas, whereas some bad, there's such bad that, yes, it's true, that when you look at it, on the surface it seems fully bad. But if one is able to really get into the depth of it, there are some good qualities there. There are what we call the sparks of good, the sparks of holiness. And if one can actually reach them and get in it, then he can make the whole thing purposeful by elevating it and bringing out the good that's in there. And this is the difference between these two time periods. The first ten generations, there was absolutely no good. They were so bad, they were so wicked. They committed such wickedness that the only way, so to speak, Hashem had to deal with them was to totally wash them away, totally destroy them, totally get rid of them. Whereas the next 10 generations, true, it also accounts for them being very wicked, but still there was some good there. There were some good qualities, albeit very small ones, very minor ones, but enough that when Avram came and he elevated the world and he brought the world to a good place, he was able to elevate the, path, the, the, the retroactively or the generations before him and bring him to a good place. And therefore there was a reward for him um, to, to be able to, to, uh, to receive the reward for them. And this also helps us understand why it was specifically 10 generations. Remember we asked, why the number 10? Yes, Hashem is patient, but why 10 generations? The answer is we know that in Kedusha, the side of holiness, the number 10 is a complete number when it comes to the, act, the holy attributes, when it comes to even, let's say, for example, a quorum, it has to be 10. 10 is a complete number. 10 is wholeness, is wholesomeness. Now, if it's so in the side of Kedusha, 
in the sight of holiness, we know that there's always the counterpart. Hashem made everything to counterbalance. And therefore, likewise, in the sight of impurity, in the sight of evil, in the sight of dark, in the forces of darkness, 10 is also their, quote, complete number. And therefore, Hashem waited until it was a complete and absolute bad, until it was complete and absolute evil, and then He destroyed them. Whereas the next 10 generations, they had their saving grace, which was Avram who came and elevated them and brought them up to a point where there was even, quote, the reward of whatever good there was there from all the 10 generations to be had, and therefore was had by Him, it was received by Him. What is the lesson for us? The lesson for us is, sometimes a person can go through a time period. The Rebbe uses the example of 10 days. And in those 10 days, sadly, the person didn't function well. Not only didn't function well, he functioned very badly and did terrible things. And sometimes that the person stops and says, look, I was behaving the way I wanted to behave. I followed the wickedness of my heart, of my desires. And look, things are good. So he says, you should know, number one, just because things are good, that doesn't necessarily mean you're doing the right thing. It could only be, it could be merely a result exclusively because Hashem is patient. But when it gets to the end of it, that's that too will stop. That too will stop. And therefore, what you need to do is bring on it a marble, like wash it away. Totally get rid of the bad. However, when getting rid of the bad, remember the quality of Avraham. Don't just totally destroy the past and do away with everything and totally erase everything, but always look for the good qualities that are in there that you could elevate, so to speak, and bring out to them a true, quote, existence to the world. Make them exist. Bring, in, inject quality into um, what even what the past that you had that may have not been so good, that to use it and now to redirect it, so to speak, to do good and to bring a sustenance, a, a true good Quality, qualitative existence to yourself and to the world.